Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hi there, it's Julia Louis-Dreyfus. You may know me from my podcast called Wiser Than Me, where I talk to older women and get their wisdom from the front lines of life. I was amazed by how many people told me our show made them look forward to getting older, which is why I'm here to talk about season two of the show. Sally Field, Billie Jean King, Beverly Johnson, Ina Garten, Bonnie Ray, just to name a few. All hail old women. Wiser Than Me season two is out now from Lemonada Media. Hello, y'all, and welcome back. Happy New Year. Hope you had a very happy and restful holiday season. It's your girl, Jacqueline, here for another episode of Rotten Tomatoes is Wrong. And I am solo today because Mark can't be with us, but he is with us in spirit. But we're going to have a great chat because our guest today is fabulous. I've had the pleasure to chat movies and TV with her on occasion, and it's always fun. So we're here to talk to our special guest today about The Witcher Season 1, because believe it or not, it is only fresh at 68%. And this is right before we get our Season 2 episode, which is currently certified fresh at 95%. But I don't know, our guest... Uh, she may disagree, but she uh, is here to chat that with us. Also, for folks that don't know, if you want a deep dive on The Witcher, please pick up a copy of our Ultimate Binge Guide, the 296 TV shows that you absolutely must watch. It is now out on shelves. So without further ado, let's go ahead and bring on our guest for today, Trisha Hirschberger. She is a TV host, producer known for tech and gaming content all over the internet. Trisha, how you doing, girl? Oh, it's so good to see you, Jacqueline. I'm doing well, and I'm so excited to chat The Witcher with you today. I know. I'm very excited to chat this with you. So, Trisha, I'm just going to go ahead and jump off of it. Is Rotten Tomatoes wrong about season one of The Witcher at 68%? Um, Yeah, and I think if we look at the audience rating uh, for season one of The Witcher, the audience would agree with me. I think just the the TLDR and we'll dive into it I'm sure uh I I think that critics are usually unnecessarily harsh when it comes to fantasy series um at least at first it takes a little while to grow to get to know the world building etc so I feel like they were a little harsh on season one but audience is with me it's a favorite season two is fresh we're good to go I all right I I think you're going to be surprised with my feelings about it because I am a big Witcher fan but I think season one has its warts for a reason, but <laughs> for a reason. But we're going to get into that uh, and and talk more about it that in depth. But before we do that, if you can, please, ma'am, give us a brief synopsis of what exactly, who are the players and what goes down in season one of The Witcher? Sure. So uh, Geralt is a witcher, which is a physically altered human uh, who's completely trained from birth for one purpose, and that is to take down monsters for money, a mercenary for a monster killing hire, if you will. Um, he befriends a rascal of a bard named Yaskier, uh, who comes around with him and helps immortalize his tales, since at least in the series, Geralt is a man of very few words, and that's the way that 
They become famous as a duo. Um, now, also, we get to see the schemes of Yennefer, a very powerful sorceress who uh, enters and exits the story as she will, as the timelines kind of converge there. And we see her origin story. We also get to meet Cirilla, a character who's a very large part of Geralt's story. And in season one, we get to find out how they're connected by destiny. Timelines converge and our three main characters come together in the finale to launch us into season two. Giddy up. I feel that is just a such a professional. This is why they hire her to host things, ladies and gentlemen. She's really <laughs> good at it. She's very good at it. You are so uh, very kind. I'm just excited to geek out with you, Tay. <laughs> I'm very excited to geek out with you, too. And I appreciate that both you and our next segment are going to bring a level of professionalism to this episode. Because I have to say, with Mark gone, I'm going to let all of my more devious and slightly off-kilter sort of like habits come to play. So I'm glad that you and Tim Ryan, our review curation manager, are going to class things up with your insightful information and professionalism. So without further ado, let's bring in some more class and throw it to my favorite segment, Two Minutes with Tim. Two Minutes with Tim. After the success of Game of Thrones, it seemed like a no-brainer that The Witcher would get its own series. With an extended universe that included novels and video games and its own lore, The Witcher certainly had enough to draw upon and also has legions of devoted fans. But one person's immersive fantasy universe may be another person's head-scratcher. So while some critics praised The Witcher for its strong performances, diverse casting, and solid action scenes, others found it to be burdened by an inconsistent tone and heavy with exposition. The Witcher Season 1 is fresh at 68% on the tomato meter with 91 reviews, but it has a 91% audience score. So what did the critics have to say? In a fresh review, Sarah Clements of Thrillist wrote, The Witcher may be hard to follow for some not familiar with the source material, but it has a lot going for it in its themes, the diversity in its characters, and overall world building. However, in a rotten review, Michael Rougeau of GameSpot wrote, If you're utterly devoted to the world of The Witcher, you'll certainly enjoy the familiar aesthetic and characters, but beyond that, this series is hard to recommend. So that's The Witcher. Let's kick it back to Jacqueline and Trisha. The best podcasts are the ones they create. Back to you, folks. <laughs> that's fun. So, I just loved him. He always finds a way to, like, add a little, like, love at the end of these, and that's, like, the cutest thing. Um... <laughs> So let's start. I mean, I'm going to ask you this because you're the gamer and I feel like we should actually start here. Did you play the Witcher games? Yes. And so what which I will ones did say you is play? someone, I, I adore the games. Yeah. Um, but they are different from the books. Yes. I think the games are a very different adaptation. Uh, and I love what the games have done, but they are different from the books. And I think a lot of people, like maybe that GameSpot reviewer, were comparing the series to the games. I think a lot of people who kind of have a negative takeaway that's the comparison they were coming through. I do feel like the Netflix series is a pretty faithful adaptation of the books, which mm. are a huge hit book series over decades. Um, yes. So, so yeah, I, I think that's a lot of confusion with people because, of course, the games are so popular. The Witcher 3 is one of the best created, if not the best, RPG of all time that's when it wild comes hunt, to video right? games. Is that Wild Hunt or is that 4? Wild Hunt. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's Wild Hunt. Yeah, which is a huge also uh, part of the book series, um, which I think we're going to get to maybe in season two, but we'll get to that in a minute. Okay, I have played the games and I know some of the stuff that happens in the books, but I have not read the books. So I really, again, Trisha, again, bring in the class, bring in the info on this episode. Um, let's start with Geralt. Like Henry Cavill, who plays Geralt, basically decided to do this 
because he loved the games and then became a fan of the books mm-hmm. and took like little money and time and was just like, hey, Netflix, I want to make this. And they basically said yes, which I think is incredible. What do you think about him and Gerald? So it's funny because on one hand, I absolutely adore the idea of fans creating content around things they love. I mean, it's, yeah. it's what we all get to do for a living, right? So Henry Cavill coming forth and saying, I love this world. I want to play Geralt. I am behind that a million percent. So that's honestly probably my biggest takeaway of, of Henry Cavill playing Geralt of Rivia is that he loves the source material. And to me, that makes it a great casting choice regardless. Um, I know that uh, my original kind of reflex was he's too handsome to be Geralt of Rivia. And um, too big. But well, you know, I think they did a good job. Um, making him feel a lot more rugged. And I mean, to anyone who's read the books or played the games, it's a very sexual world. So having a more sexual Geralt is not a terrible thing. I'll be honest there. And I I, don't disagree. It makes me sad the people that don't know anything about the world that are coming in and they're like, oh, yes, this is the Henry Cavill no shirt show Um, because there's so much more to it than that. Don't just reduce it to that. Um, But I think he's doing an amazing job. I love his take on the character. It is, again, it's another adaptation. So it's not a carbon copy of the game. It's not a carbon copy of the books. He's doing his own thing with it. And I think for the purposes of the series, especially when he's kind of hand in hand and paired with Yaskier is really great. Yeah, I agree with that. So like when I pictured Geralt, and I'm basing this image based on the game version and for me, it's really one older, which I think is the, the game version. He ages, but just in general, I picture Geralt as older. And it's not just the white hair. In general, he just feels like a longer in the tooth witcher than Henry Cavill, who's probably the right age for it, but definitely not the right, like, there hasn't been enough beats on his face. He needs <laughs> you know to be more I mean? grizzled. No, exactly. I agree. I definitely pictured a more grizzled kind of older Geralt as well. Like a young Kirk Douglas? Uh, not Kurt Douglas, Kurt Russell is like what I picture. So like okay. think of Kurt Russell at like Snake Plissken version <laughs> of Kurt Russell. And that's the Kurt Russell that I would like to see like play Girl, where it's like okay. slightly older. And I'm talking like Escape from L.A. Snake Plissken. You know what I mean? Yeah. So slightly older, definitely has like a few more of the scars on him, but also leaner. Like Henry Cavill, like especially for folks that don't, he's huge. Like, his bicep is the size of your face. And that, I get, like, the witchers are, like, stronger and bigger, but they're also more, like, live. Like, they're warriors, but they're, like, you know, they're, you know, I don't know how to put it. Like, they're swordsmen. And so it's, like, a lot more about that, I think, than the brute strength that, like, he brings. But it is nice to see that, like, he could throw huge-ass monsters across the room. So, like, I do enjoy that as well. Um, It's true. And, I mean, I've never seen Henry Cavill in person. (laughs) I'm sure he is probably massive. Uh, However, and I agree with you, you know, uh, traditionally the Witcher is not, like, a He-Man figure. Uh, Yeah. He-Man, that's supposed to... That's the perfect word. Yeah, he's not He-Man Masters of the Universe. That's not where we're supposed to be living. But he has been training since he was a youth. And we know that witchers are physically altered via magic from the time that they're a kid. So I try to like magic suspension of disbelief and say, you know, if this is what his training and his, uh, you know, alteration has come to, then this is what he looks like. And I'm okay with it. 
No, I, I I agree. Like I said, it does not it does not take too much away from it. But if I was going to like look at the physicality of Henry Cavill, some people say too pretty. I was okay with that. My, like I was more like age, not mm-hmm. pretty. Like in fact, this idea of like an age, but you knew he used to be beautiful before all the monsters got him. I like that. Uh, but the bigness, that was what threw me. But again, like by the end of season one, it didn't matter. And there was enough gorgeous Henry. I, I The Henry body from the Tudors is the one I would have liked to have seen. Pre-Superman Henry Cavill body. Okay. Um, and, and that's our uh, side piece on objectifying Henry Cavill, sir. I hope you never listen to this. <laughs> um, but I mean, honestly, we are not the first to do this with the Girl. character Geralt of Rivia. I mean, Geralt in the bathtub is a collectible figure that many people have on their shelves. So, like I said, it's a very sexual series. It always has been. Geralt of Rivia has always been sexualized way before Henry Cavill came into the picture. Yeah, and the games, let's be clear, like, obviously this is from the book, but the games, at the time that they came out, especially Wild Hunt, the amount of sex that that game had in it was kind of like really like a thing that was talked about because most games when there's sex it's like there's a cut scene and they wake up next to each other it's very like pg-13 romantic comedy but like this one definitely this is like a a, mo- a moment um both in the game and so it was great i believe it's in i think it's in season uh, episode one even that we get him in the bathtub either that or very very early on season it's one or season early. two i mean I episode one is episode were two. like please let us have Geralt in the bathtub and so when it, it happened it was it like happens. the ultimate fan service oh yeah that face oh scary face no lord in his right mind will come close if you're standing next to me with a puss like that oh on second thoughts might want to lay off the centronail clear head would be best I will not suffer tonight, Sobrat, just because you hid your sausage in the wrong royal pantry. I'm not killing anyone. Not over the petty scores of men. Yes, yes, yes. You never get involved. Except you actually do all of the time. I don't think that was one of my, like, favorite moments, necessarily, for the series. There's, like, a few. And they're always, like, the moments that, like, other people would not mark. Okay, what's your favorite moment? Like, one of my favorite moments is the whole dragon storyline. Like, that whole storyline I lived for. Yeah. But the part I love is when the the dude wakes up and, like, kicks his ass. Because, <laughs> like, when, when Geralt's, like, fighting with the, like, I forget what that monster's name is, but he's got big eyes and he got, like, ambushed. And Geralt basically would have died if it was not for the fact that the elves rescued him. Yes. Uh-huh. That scene, I loved for that. It showed, and then his humility to admit that he got his ass kicked later. And Yaskier, mm-hmm. like, I actually enjoyed that because it was huge for the character. But it also, I think, showed that all of them know, like, the next, the next bout, the next thing that we do could be the last thing that we do. And they just kind of yes. live with that, like, you know, Rick from The Walking Dead, like, you know, we're all dead until we either make it home or don't. That kind of thing, you know what I mean? Yeah, no, I totally agree with you. I think it's so important to establish the fact that, like, he's not Superman in this world. Witchers die all the time. What they're doing for a living is very dangerous, and we should not expect Geralt to come out of every encounter like, ah, that was easy, because it's Mm. not. Like, he's legitimately in mortal peril every time. What about you? What were your sort of like favorite moments from season one? So I'm a big sucker for fight choreography done well. Like mm-hmm. it is one of my 
favorite things. Like, I mean, when I was watching uh, the Daredevil series, like part mm. of the reason I loved that series so much was a fight choreo. And mm. so for me, the first time, and this was in episode one, right? Um, the first time we see like a brilliantly set up fight scene between Geralt and Renfrey, like mm. that's when I was like, oh, this series is on. We are on, yeah. friends. Like, just getting jazzed. So, like, people that are coming from the games and expecting, like, a very heavy action fantasy series, you got the payoff right there. Um, yeah. But it wasn't just that the fight choreo was so good. Like, they were doing beautiful long shots without cuts. They had gorgeous 360 shots. And, like, that whole um, that whole sequence starts with Geralt, like, swatting away a crossbow arrow so you can see his Witcher reflexes in play. Mm. Um, and then apart from the cinematography being so beautiful and the actual fight choreography and, like, hand-to-hand fight choreo being so beautiful, that's also a moment that's so telling about who Geralt is in this world, how he's seen in this world, because it's that encounter that gives him the name the Butcher of Blaviken that people hate him so much for. Yeah, uh, when he goes around and we get to see it play out and you can see that, like, he didn't want that to happen. He tried yeah. to walk away from that happening at every single turn and he was forced into that situation. So I feel like it it just establishes, like you said, like, you know, having a near death experience in fights, having this moment where like his entire reputation is based on him essentially just murdering a crap ton of people he didn't want to murder. Like yeah. the continent is a rough place. This <laughs> is not is place, your yeah. uh, lovely high fantasy Rivendell setting Girl, that no. we're in. <laughs> we we are in very, very dark, tragic fantasy world. And like, for me, that was all episode one. So I was like, buckle up, let's go. Yeah. Uh, so, the, the, and I mean, these are just some of the reasons why I know when we're talking about like what Rotten Tomatoes, uh, what the critics scores were of it. I'm like, dude. This series knocked it out of the ballpark. If you're a Witcher fan. Now, I I can't. It's very hard for me to objectively comment on if you are not familiar with any other source material, how this would feel to you, which is where I assume a lot of the critics must be coming from. Because for me, as someone who has read the books and played the games every moment in this, um, with the exception of like a couple minor things that I was like, oh, I would have done that differently. But I saw why they made that choice felt really good and like felt really spot on. I feel like it, it's a great love letter to this entire property. <sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center. Thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. I, I don't disagree with you on the homage to The Witcher 
um, fans. Because although I am mostly a fan of the game and the world and less like in-depth, really read into each of the books, I do appreciate the world and I've, I've read up enough about it. Just honestly, I'm too busy to be like, hey, after dedicating 24 hours to this RPG, let me go ahead and crack open a, a Game of Thrones style book adaptation as well and just live in that world you know I know they're so good but like books for me is like the ultimate luxury these days so I need to be on a beach to do that which I will be very soon so we will make some things happen not with the witch not with the witcher though Octavia Butler has like the spot on my queue right now but this is what I will tell you on the critics a little background on the witcher and this is kind of behind the scenes but I do think it explains why I have issues with it as well so when we saw the witcher when it came out on our like Netflix see it first as critics queue, which I'm a part of, even though I'm not a critic, they still let me see some things early. They didn't show us the whole series. And if you recall, the first like mm, six episodes, you don't even understand what the time frame is because yep. the, the season is broken up in this weird setting where parts of it are earlier than other ones. And it was actually something that people talked about in their reviews of being like, this seems to be alluding to a different continuity timeline than what we got to see in the preview episodes, which by the way, they've done the same thing with season six as far as like only giving us six episodes and we know that like we're going to see more. So season one, because of the way they told that story, which was a genius way to tell it, because it shows how the events of Blevikin allowed him to... um, meet the bard and them to become friends. The events of that moment where he saves the bard is how he gets connected to Yennefer. It shows how the characters within this world have connections and bonds that we can build upon later. You have Mm -hmm. to show the cause and effect. It's like this whole idea of destiny and things being uh, tied together. But you don't know that when you're just watching it. And it's very confusing because if you're like, is this a monster of the week show or not? Because... Mm -hmm. For a, a very long time, you didn't even understand how Siri's story and Geralt's story was going to relate to each other if you did not know about that already due to your previous knowledge of the books or the video games. And if you had previous knowledge of the video games, you're really pissed because you're like, these people are supposed to be like a team. And like, this was the <laughs> team from the jump. Why is this not the team from the jump? So I totally understand their confusion on that. And the other thing, and I will say this, There are moments of season one where the production value, the creative, the crafts, everything line up. But there are some moments where I'm just like, sis. Those first opening scenes in Blevikin when they're inside that light room, they look like a bad student film. Like, it is so overexposed. (laughs) Girl, go look at those stills. Like, seriously, like, go look at those stills. Like, his hair, like, it's lit so poorly like it looks like it was probably a reshoot like seriously go look at the scene where he's talking to the mage it's bad have you ever heard of the curse of the black sun first full eclipse in 1200 years it marked the imminent return of lilith demon goddess of the night sent to exterminate your human race according to the wise mage eltibelt Lilith's path was to be prepared by 60 women wearing gold crowns who'd fill the river valleys with blood. Hmm. Doesn't rhyme. All good predictions rhyme. I studied the girls born around the Black Sun, and I found horrendous internal mutations among them. I tried to cure them, locked them in towers for safekeeping, but the girls always died. 
internal mutations. Okay, it's I'll have to go bad. back and rewatch those specific moments. Girl, I believe you, and I trust your opinion. It's not something I caught when I was watching it. Girl, but put I totally that on four K, and you will feel it. You will feel <laughs> every inch of like this. Like it's almost uncanny valley, where you're just like, this looks weird. This is okay. not the way light is lit. Um, and then again, just some of the 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 production value. I mean, you can really tell like they were. They did not have the money that the show needed in season one. And I say this from now having season, season two. They wrote them checks. Girl, they wrote them checks for her. Dude, I'm sure they did. But especially when you're doing a fantasy series, budget makes such a difference. It really does. It's one of the things that angers me still to this day about Game of Thrones and a little behind the scenes thing. Game of Thrones, the creators of that, shot a pilot that was $30 million. Thirty. <sighs> million. That is the cost of a low, a mid-level budget movie. Like, you can make La La Land for that much. Yeah. They shot that pilot, and it was god-awful. And HBO let those two white men ride that mediocrity to another pilot, and then they got the show. To completely tank the whole series in another how many seasons? I mean, they they had a good run. You know what? They had a good run. In all honesty, as much as the issues I have with those two, and I have plenty, they had five seasons of the most captivating television that most people have ever seen, and then one of the worst seasons of television. I'll take that average. You, some people have both sides of the ledger. I'm not saying it makes it great, but you can still watch those first five seasons and enjoy it, and you could just pretend the last one didn't happen. As a fan of that property, I need George R. R. Martin to finish the book so I can like wear all, all my Game of Thrones dresses and stuff again. Because right now they're just living in a closet. I can't even. I'm so mad at the whole property until George fixes it. But yeah. And by the way, I don't think that's going to happen any sooner. But let's bring it back to this fantasy real quick. I just want to talk real quick <laughs> oh, about. I wanted to touch on Jacqueline. You mentioned the timelines, right? Yes. Yeah. So Go ahead. for those of you who have not read any of the books, this didn't feel weird to me at all, even though the books didn't do converging timelines like that. But the source material that season one is taken from is from the original Witcher source material, which was all short stories. Mm. So they are written very monster of the week. And it's just individual short stories. And you as the reader start to piece together, oh, this is that same bard from that other story. Mm. Um, And you start to piece together their relationships as you're getting this kind of cool monster of a week, like is it fairy tale inspired? I mean, kind of. Are we to mm-hmm. allude that maybe fairy tales came from this OG story or do fairy tales exist for real there? I'm not sure. And it's like this very cool world that you're learning about via these short stories. Mm-hmm. So when I'm watching the Netflix series, I guess for that reason, it didn't seem strange to me at all that it felt a little disjointed and monster of the week because it felt just like the book of short stories that this season one is based on. Yeah. And again, I didn't hold it as bad. I'm just kind of like playing the devil's advocate on the critics. Basically, if you would ask me my tomato meter score on season one, I would give it somewhere in the low 70s. Not enough to necessarily to be certified fresh, but still fresh, still very comfortably fresh. But I just feel like it's in that 73, 74 range, mostly not because of any of the actors or even necessarily because of the writing, but just because... I feel like the principal stakeholders, whether it be costumes or production or everything else, they did not gel. 
It just mm. felt like it was 16 mini captains. And on the moments when it worked, it worked. And the moments when it didn't, it didn't. You know, but I will say I'd never felt that with most of the actors. All of the actors seem to be, for the most part, on the same page. And they and they carefully, like, sculpted their characters. Um, real quick, I definitely want to make sure we touch on at least Yennefer and Siri before we kind of go into behind the scenes. But talking about Yennefer, which, by the way, she was my Netflix avatar up until this past month when I switched it when Luce, or like a couple months ago when Lucifer had its final season, I put Maze from Lucifer. Leslie, I put her as my avatar. But it was Jennifer because her purple eyes are like the most incredible thing. As someone who has aged into better looking, I really appreciate her arc. Like just this whole like feeling un- unloved, unlucky, and then aging into something that makes you feel more powerful. And then also her whole idea of being like, but this is not what I expected it to be. I just found it to be so universal. Um, what are you, how, how are you on Jennifer? Because some people I, don't like her. I really liked her performance. And I'm interested, I love that you said you liked her. I'm actually very surprised by it. I feel like a lot of people that are diehard uh, Witcher game fans don't did like not love this portrayal of Yennefer yes. because they were expecting something very different. Um, I I felt like her portrayal of Yennefer, um, Anya's the actress's name, right? Mm-hmm. I felt like her portrayal of Yennefer um, was very much her own, which yeah. in an adaptation, I don't want to see you try to be something I already know. I want to see you make it your own. And I yeah. thought she did a really good job of conveying the very hard exterior shell that she needs to be such a political powerhouse and to be so powerful in the setting and in the tough world that she's in. But we were able to see moments um, of kind of the softer layer that's within despite herself, if that makes sense. And for that reason, I really liked her portrayal. um, And, and I'm looking forward to seeing where she goes now that we've ramped her up from, you know, to the powerhouse she is like, we saw the battle, uh, the battle of Sodden Hill. Yeah. She took out, a whole like legion of the Nilfgaardian army by herself. And so now I think people who are familiar with the games are like, this is the powerhouse Yennefer I was waiting to see. So I think season two is really going to open up her character for a lot of people. And as a writer who understands, like, this is the way I look at it. There are three characters in the story. This is our triumvirate. It is Siri. it is Yennefer, and it is Geralt. Geralt cannot make big movements. Geralt is a turtle as far as character involvement. He's going to evolve as a character, but it's going to be in millimeters, not miles. Mm-hmm. Yennefer is going to be the character as an adult we can see have growth and arc. So it's actually better, I think, to bring her in a place that's so far below where she was when we eventually see her. Mm-hmm. So far different. And with Siri, because she's a kid, she's going to age into things. So, like, her arc is going to be much more about maturation. So I understand what they're doing. They're like, we need to have an immovable object, something that moves a lot and and something that moves without its own will. So, like, I understand that character understanding. I'm like, no, no, that I got. And it didn't. That's why it didn't bother me is what I was saying, that she Mm -hmm. was so different from the game. Because if you make her the way she is at the game, it's sort of the same problem with having Superman in the Justice League. Who do you who beats you? Who beat you? Right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, What's interesting, too, and we're going to get into uh, season two a little bit when we get into behind the scenes, the ramifications of the Battle of Sodden Hill, I will just preview this, become so, so, so important in season two. And Yennefer's journey on that, from what I've seen, and I haven't seen the whole thing, but from what I've seen, 
is really, really awesome. And what I will tell you is the movie it reminds me of is Skyfall. And that's all I will say. Okay, interesting. So for those of you who are listening to this, we're recording this before season two is out. So I haven't seen any of season two yet, um, but I'm even more excited now, Jacqueline. And by the time that people listen to this, they will have seen it. And if you agree with me, like send us an email and be like, Jacqueline was an oracle. Because I love that. That's my favorite thing. In fact, if you want to put that in the tag, I'll be about it. But let's go ahead and talk behind the scenes because I definitely want to talk a little bit about the show's reaction and 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 also like the background, but also again talk a little bit about season two because it's just so crazy to see the journey of this show in popularity. So Brian, let's go ahead and take us to behind the scenes. So we've like touched on it already too about like the origins of this, but what I think is really interesting and I want to make sure I touch on this is I don't think The Witcher was a show that Netflix didn't hope was big. Obviously, you know, Amazon's doing the Lord of the Rings show. I think they kind of hoped that maybe this could tap into that Game of Thrones energy. I don't know what the budget was for the first season. I do think they had a budget, obviously. But when I look at a show like Cursed, which they brought out recently, that's the show that I think they thought was going to be Game of Thrones. Hmm. I honestly, to God, think that Netflix was like, we want to get in the Henry Cavill business. (laughs) <laughs> and the way they've gotten in the Chris Helmsworth business okay. and the Ryan Reynolds business, if you know what I mean. Like, yep. like the one thing I've learned from, from working in this industry is relationships matter. And if you have an A-lister that will call you for a favor, it is a much better roster to be in than someone that you have to go through agencies and so on and so forth. So like getting in the business of somebody that's a marketable asset is more important than whether or not what you're getting in the business with them in is worth it. You're like, I'm going to get in the business of Henry Cavill with The Witcher, let him have his little fantasy show so that we can make him Superman and something else. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because like, that's the way the world works. So I I was surprised at how popular it was, but like, that was probably the biggest thing that came out of the Netflix fan event, right? Like, this is one of their biggest titles now. I mean, if you ask me, I'm a huge fan. Yeah, but I mean, I, I I think that the reason that this was maybe such a sleeper hit as far as the executives behind the scenes were thinking is because they're thinking traditional studio, who's our A-list talent? You know, it's kind of like what went wrong with Game of Thrones, in my opinion, in the later seasons, is it was so focused on battles and big action and special effects. You lost what made that world magical. You lost what made those characters unique and the interplay between the characters unique. Um, Mm. And that's that's what excels so much in the world of The Witcher. And whether you're coming to it from the games, which are amazingly huge selling games or the books, which are amazingly huge cult followed book franchise, you already have a built in fan base on two different fronts coming into this, wanting to see it excel. I don't know that any fans came into the series thinking, I hope it's awful. Like you have already a built-in crew that just wants to see this be good. Um, And so when they do nail those specific moments, everyone rejoices. Like to me, I'm like, well, look at Game of Thrones. Again, you're going for a fantasy book series that's been around for decades that already has a lot of people behind it. And I wonder also on a separate note, I wonder also if studio heads were like, oh, the gaming curse 
Because yes. traditionally, Very taking much. a video game and making a screen adaptation of it, um, bless until Arcane, has not really been super successful. Um, but what I would, what I always encourage people, again, pre-Arcane, but what I always encourage people, especially with The Wither, Witcher, is this is a book adaptation. Yes. This series is a, a very faithful book adaptation. Yes, there is a game based on the property, but they're in no way taking those games and making them into the series. So yeah. Witcher's kind of a little bit of an odd bird, but I wonder if executives thought, oh, it's a video game. It's not going to do well. I mean, it's interesting, though. I don't know if they thought that at that point because of Castlevania, mm. which is a modest hit for Netflix. And I think that's what they thought really this good. was going to be. You know yeah, what I Castlevania mean? Yeah, is really good, but it, it didn't get those huge numbers. I do and, think it was a great video game adaptation as a fan of the Castlevania games. Um, but yeah, it, it didn't, it didn't, it wasn't the home run, I think, that we're seeing in Witcher or that we're seeing in Arcane now. Yeah, Arcane is a great example. Uh, literally, my friend, I don't, she doesn't listen to this, so I'll shout her out. But my friend Emily literally like tweeted today, Arcane, y'all. And I was like, yeah, girl, video. <laughs> um, the one thing I will say about Castlevania and the Witcher, I think that's what they thought the Witcher was going to be. A modest hit that had the right names and can get us, you know, some cool people to come to like our events. But The Witcher, and shout out to Mark Hoffmeyer for the research, is the fifth most watched show on Netflix behind Squid Game, Bridgerton, Money Heist, and Stranger Things. It is literally right behind Stranger Things season three. Now, Stranger Things, the entire series ranks higher because it's got multiple seasons that are on the top like 20 of Netflix. But like Witcher season one is right behind the last season of Stranger Things, which is like a phenomenon. And so when you think about that and Squid Game, billion and a half hours Mm -hmm. watched, um, Money Heist, Spanish language, those like transfer globally more. English language shows are actually at a disadvantage for the amount of places that they go, both culturally and language wise. And so the fact that it's the third highest ranking and the only and out of the ones that are season one, Bridgerton is the only one that's higher. It's insane. It's really incredible to think about this little fantasy show. And it's one of the few fantasy shows on that list. The next, like, close, you could say, to that. Gosh, not even. The the rest are all, like, crime thrillers or things like that. The next thing that you could say was even remotely similar is is Shadow and Bone. And that is, like, Mm -hmm. not even near. Yeah, Shadow and Bone was okay. I'm interested enough to watch the next season of it, but I'm not, like, going out there and buying jewelry pieces that are based in the franchise. You know what True I mean? That, that That's that. like the difference for me, right? Like you talked about making your Netflix avatar, Yennefer. Um, for me, and it's unfair because I've been a fan of the series since way before Netflix. Um, mm. But yeah, like I, I got the Witcher sigil and on a necklace that I wear regularly. Mm. And like, I mean, it's just, it's such a fantastic, full and rich world. Yeah. And um, I love that it's been doing so well for Netflix because as someone who was an outsider, uh, as someone who started in the fandom community and like, oh, nobody likes this stuff but me, to then, um, you know, kind of going through a weird age where because I was a woman, I was an outsider uh, in fandom, mm-hmm. um, to then, na- to now being like so engrossed in it all the time, because, um, you know, we elbow our way back in, because yeah. I was there since I was a kid. Now it just makes me be like, yes. Come one, come all into my world. Love the things (laughs) that I love. Here, I'll help tell you all about them. Jacqueline, you don't want to read the books? That's totally fine. I'll just tell you what you need to know. (laughs) Like, I just want everyone to love this property. And so 
for me, I imagine Henry Cavill feeling much the same way, being like, I just want everyone to love this property. So, like, how can I make this happen? Um, <laughs> and, and that's part of the charm, right, of this yeah. series on Netflix. It's part of what makes it so cool. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, the other thing, too, I will say, when you were saying that, for folks that are listening to it, Trisha was, like, reaching out her arms, and all I was picturing was Sarah Michelle Geller from Hocus Pocus be like, come, little children, I'll take you away. Oh, Sarah Jessica Parker. my world. Oh, did I say Sarah Michelle Geller? Yeah, Sarah Jessica Parker in, like, in Hocus Pocus. I'm like, who is Buffy in Hocus no, Pocus? No. I'm no. so confused. No, no, no. Sarah, uh, Sarah Jessica Parker. The other Sarah with three names. Let's keep it real. <laughs> But like, come to my world of fantasy. A hundred percent. Picturing you like across the sky, trying to get the children into witcher costumes. Dude, um, seriously, Jacqueline, it's been my whole life. It's been my whole life of like trying to convince my friends that aren't into traditionally fandom type of properties to be like, well, let me just. Like, I can't tell you how many people I know that are like, oh, video games, they're not for me. And I'm like, oh, it's because you're only thinking of one genre. But there are so many video games and I can introduce you to one that you will love. Like, it's it's my thing. I have a question here. This is Producer Lucy. Um, Hello, Trisha. Hello, Jacqueline. Hi, Producer Lucy. Happy New Year. We're here. 2022. Let's go. No more (laughs) pandemics. Come on. Um, I had a question because... If you're trying to convince a friend, because I never read the books, I never played the game, so I knew nothing, and I loved it, loved season one. I love fantasy in general. And right now I'm watching The Wheel of Time. I I have read the books, and I'm disappointed in the show a bit. But what episode would you tell, like both of you, like what episode would you tell your non-Witcher-aware friends to watch to convince them? Like would you hop around, or would you have them start at episode one to convince them to like get into it? I mean, this is probably a hot take, but I would say start with episode one. I say it's probably a hot take because traditionally pilots are not the best example of the series. Um, but uh, I, I really do think you need to get to know the world. And I thought the series did a good job, despite everyone having issues with the different timelines. I thought the series did a good job of introducing you to the world and the major players in it. Yeah, no, the episode one is a great pilot. And I think that's what got the show greenlit. I feel the connective tissue throughout the rest of the episodes. Again, it's all there. Mm -hmm. It's a good meal. This is a great meal. This is, you know, this is P.F. Chang's. This is not a bad meal. But like (laughs) season two is Nobu, like legit. Season two is Nobu without question, without question. So like you could go get a good steak at Outback and I will never be sad about it. But this is like a steak at the Waldorf Astoria. You know, I was going to say Del Frisco's, but that's a Texas thing. And y'all don't know what that is. But that's like the big steakhouse in Texas, like the legit one. Shout out to my Texas people. Um, Yeah, for me, if I was not going to say one, because I was actually going to say to yours, ignore the CGI. or sorry, ignore the, the lighting and some of it. But like season one, episode one is really a good introduction and perfect pilot. But if you were going to say another, I would say the Stryer episode, Betrayer Moon. That's the one where he takes over for an old witcher and nearly dies again. We get to still learn the world Mm -hmm. of the mages. And it's still like, I think another, it feels like almost like a secondary pilot in a lot of ways. Yeah, because again, I mean, each, there are like multiple pilots in season one because they're introducing us to new aspects of the world 
kind of in all of those early episodes. And it's not really until the end of season one that all of that fully converges. So Jacqueline, it was so interesting to me that you said from a critic's perspective that they had only seen the first so many episodes. So when critics were reviewing this series, they didn't get to see it all converge, which is, I, I mean, I understand why you may not have time to watch the full season or they may not want to give you access to the full season or, you know, all the different behind the scenes uh, reasoning that might fall into play here. Um, but it it is really meant to be all in its entirety. And I would say similar to the books, right? When you read that first compilation of short stories, you've really figured it out by the end of all those short stories. Yeah. There's not one short story where you're like, yes, I understand this world now. Like yes. it, it takes putting it together to make it happen. Well, that's fair. And like I said, I um I think if you even disliked season one, if you give season two some time, which a lot of the critics did, and I think that's why the score for season two is so high, it's reflective of that. Um, some shows take a minute to find their groove. And if you don't know that, watch the first season of Seinfeld. It's rough. <laughs> it is rough. <laughs> it is I don't know rough. that I've ever watched the first season of Seinfeld, but now I'd like to. No. Uh, so Seinfeld is a recent addition for me. Uh, up until this past year, I had never watched an episode intentionally. Like, obviously, people had, like, played it. And I obviously live in the world. And so I know things like the contest. Like, I know what that is. Mm-hmm. Not silly. But I'd never watched an episode intentionally. And then I the pandemic, I watched it. I'm like, you know, this is not bad. I see why people liked it. It's very white, but it's a show. It's not going <laughs> to, I'm not going to pretend like it's not funny. I enjoyed it. Um, real quick, though. Uh, before we get out of here, Trisha, I just want to make sure we touch on this because I have actually learned how to play this on the piano and we have to give some time in the sun to toss a coin to your witcher because that song is a literal bop. And like people were streaming the hell out of it. People were doing cover songs and shout out to Joey Batty, uh, who plays Yaskier and also to Jenny Klein, uh, who made the lyrics and Sonia Balaluskva and Giona Ostinoli. Sorry, but y'all are the composers. You know, Sonia and Giona and Jenny. Ladies, it's a bop. Bop, bop, Total bop. bop. And in my opinion, probably my favorite adaptation of the series from the other properties, right? Because being able to hear, and I mean, he's he's referred to as Dandelion in the other properties, but being able to hear Dandelion slash Yaskier's actual songs you you it's so it, it helps inform so much why everybody wants to bone him, <laughs> why he's invited to all these major courts. Yeah. Like he doesn't he's not highborn or anything, but he's constantly frolicking with the wealthy and famous. And the reason people know who the white wolf is is all because of Yaskier's songs. Yes. So he like, redeemed him. And like, it, well, it, yeah. it just it, it lets you know why he's so important, because uh, in other mediums, sometimes I think it's easy to think like, why is Geralt palling around with this guy? Yeah. Like he's not noble born. He probably doesn't have a lot of money. He's no good in a fight. Like, why is he bringing this guy with him? Um, And so, I, I mean, his real skill is his musical genius. So yeah. being able to hear that and say for yourself as the viewer, oh, man, this song's good and I can't get it out of my head for days Yes. You suddenly, it informs that character so much. And that's that's probably my favorite thing the Netflix series uh, did as far as the adaptation goes. Well done. And also just from a production standpoint, they knew all the things that you knew about that song. Is like, we need to show all the things that you just said. And it's sort of like when you make a movie like that thing you do. 
if you know you have a movie written around a poppy catch song, a poppy song that everyone's singing, you better make a poppy song that everyone's singing. Like, you can't fake that. You've got to, like, hire really good songwriters and literally put them in a room until they can make a song that's like that. And they did this for this. And that was an expense. And it was definitely something that they had to, like, spend time in production on. But the payoff was was so huge. Trisha, ma'am, this was a pleasure. <laughs> this was so much fun. The first thing I have to ask, though, is where can folks find you? What are you working on? Oh, my goodness. Um, Thank you so much. This was such a great time. If anyone wants to find me on the Internet, um, on almost all of the places, I am that girl Trish with no I in the girl. So it's just that GRL Trish. Um, And if you want to find me on either YouTube or Twitch, primarily what I cover is tech gadget enthusiast and video game content. Although occasionally I get to do fun things like this with you, Jacqueline, and nerd out about uh, sci-fi or fantasy properties or comic book properties that I love. So it's it's a little smattering of, I would say, those three things. Tech, video games, and fandom entertainment. Um, if you want to find me on Twitch or YouTube, it's just my name, Trisha Hirschberger. But everywhere else, it's that girl, Trish, with no I in the girl. And thank you guys for having me. This has been so lovely. I love that you have that because I'm that Jacqueline and I really love that there's that. I feel like we need to make that more popular as far as people. Um, also, really quickly, though, since you are somebody that smatters in the entertainment sphere or if you want to give us a game recommendation, either way, what recommendation do you want to give us? Video games, movies, books, girl, I will let you have your moment. Um, for shows, Arcane. If you have not watched Arcane or you're someone who's like, I don't traditionally give animation a chance, it is not for kids. Don't be fooled by the fact that it's animated. Um, but Arcane is so very good. So, so, so very good. Please check that out right now. Um, and as far as games, it's always hard to recommend because it depends what genre you like. But I would say for the strategy folks out there, if you haven't played Age of Empires 4, it's fantastic. And for those of you who like action games, Halo Infinite's campaign, I'm just getting started in it, but I am hooked. Ooh, <laughs> and it has a grapple hook. So that was kind of live, funny live. for me. Um, all right. <laughs> Thank you guys, but go watch and play those things. They're wonderful. That's great. And since it is this time of year where these movies are starting to hit your theaters, if you can go see the A24 movie Red Rocket by Sean Baker, it's amazing. It stars Simon Rex. You will relive the days that you fantasized about him as an MTV VJ in the strangest of ways. He plays a porn star, ladies and gentlemen. That's all I have to say. That is it for us for this episode. Again, I want to thank our guest, Trisha Hertzberger. You guys follow like and watch all of her videos. She's amazing. Again, to my co-host, Mr. Mark Ellis, I'm sorry you can't be here, but for Producey Lucy and Brian Perez and for all of you watching, thank you all again. Wherever you are listening to us, please make sure you rate, follow, subscribe. And if you have a recommendation or just want to say hey and let us know what you think about the show, please give us an email at rtiswrong at Rotten Tomatoes. And we will see y'all next week where we are going to have a really fun episode. We are going to talk about the movie that has the Hans Zimmer Boom, boom, doom. Yes, we're going to be talking about both the original and the remake on next episodes. I just have to give Hans Zimmer his moment because he's going to win an Oscar for that score. I'm saying it now. Got to give his booms a moment. It's great. Lots of sand. See y'all next week. 